0: RunAsRadio.com. You're listening to Run As Radio, the internet audio talk show for IT professionals with Richard Campbell and Greg Hughes. This is Brandon Wen announcing show number two eleven with guest Dana Epp. Recorded Monday, April fourth, two thousand eleven. Run As Radio is produced each week by Quap Productions, providing professional media and podcasting services online at. P-W-O-P.com. You can follow the boys on Twitter at twitter.com slash run as radio. Thank you, Brandon. This is Richard Campbell. You listen to Run As Radio. I got Greg Hughes.
1: Hey, Richard. What's up?
0: Dude, it's gonna be Dude. one of those shows.
1: <laughs> well, you know it's good to go back to where you come from every now and then, right?
0: Well, without a doubt, because our guest tonight is Dana Epp, who's been on the show many times, one of our very original guests. That's right. He's the Scorpion software guy. I think he still is. You haven't given up on Scorpion software yet, Dana?
2: No, never, 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 never.
0: Things just keep getting busier and we keep talking about some interesting stuff with you. So I'm glad you're back because you know your original shows going way back like the first dozen. You did two on card space. <laughs> <laughs> and we we just don't hear about card space anymore. Oh, boy. Uh Uh-oh.
2: I think I know where we're going with this one. Yeah. Yeah, what happened
1: to that, Dana? I mean, like, well,
2: what happened (laughs) to that? Maturity in the space.
1: Yeah.
2: Mm -hmm. You know, it's really That's what it comes down to. You know, obviously, recently you might have heard that uh, Cardspace V2 is not being released. They spent a lot of great work working on it. And then Microsoft made a decision when looking at, you know, looking at the ecosystem and where identity is and where it's going, especially Mm -hmm. in the world of cloud services, It was just at a point where the whole world of card space and information cards didn't fit the model in how developers were using and managing identity. And so the aspect of a lot of it actually, it's not like it it died. It's not like it just went away. It's just that parts of the technology matured into other things, and Mm -hmm. card space as its whole, that didn't get to be continued on. So we're seeing lots of good stuff in things like Um, You know, the whole idea of claims-based identity model and the whole aspect of that world still is there. And actually, it's going very strong. You can see things like SharePoint 2010. Having built-in claims is extremely powerful. We start seeing, you know, with the uh, introduction of Active Directory Federation Services v2, so that whole ADFS model with Windows Server 2008 R2, the -hmm. ability of actually having federation... Um, across the cloud services. So if you're running, you know, a BPOS or you're going to Office 365 and yeah. you want to provide a federated model, you can do that. That's all built in. But the reality was, in many cases, that kind of auth is going to go across security domains and it's going to go across security realms as it relates to the, the machines that are dealing with it. And those didn't fit very well for having an identity model that was using, like, the card selector. It just didn't fit very well.
0: Are we really talking about card space the indictment of card space is really the indictment of the WS-STAR protocols?
2: Well, the core is still there behind the scenes, right? And so the, those, those don't go away. I think, you know, part of the issue is when you say WS-STAR, it's a wild card for a reason. There are so many different components to that, from WS-Trust, yeah. there's WS-Policy, there's WS-Security, there's, you know, but it all boils down to you need systems to be able to intercommunicate. And in many cases, those systems may or may not be a Microsoft ecosystem. Exactly. So the whole yeah. aspect is they have to find commonality to the talk. And at the end that's where things like SAML come into play, right? right. The security right. search and markup language drives that whole world of identity when it relates to that. And the great thing is, is that is what's running behind the scenes in um in what we're seeing with ADFS, right? So it's be able right. to take a take your claims inside of AD, convert them into something that a machine that doesn't speak AD can actually understand, Mm -hmm. and then decide based off of what they've trust and what they've mapped together uh, in those claims to determine how do we want to transpose that and then use that in whatever system. So now you can build trust across the internet, have that identity managed. It doesn't matter if it's speaking on a Windows system or on an Apple system or on a Mm Solaris system, they'll be able to communicate in a way they all can understand it.
1: So let's talk about maybe it'd be good to fill in people when we're talking about claims and trust and all of these terms. Can we hit on those really quick? And I've I've found that when I explain this to people, I need to step back a lot. I spend all of my time, I spend probably 60% of my time in the SAML 2.0 world, right? And I think it might be good to do a quick primer on what we're talking about.
2: So where would you want to start that? And on like the whole aspect of what is a claim or you know, because it's funny, is that there's lots of different ways of talking about uh, how it all works together, right? right. And right. Um, when we talk about a claim is not that this is you, it's that you are claiming that this attribute or this component is something that represents who you are. And a claim right. could be anything. It could be an element or an attribute such as your username or your email address, or um, part of that claim could say, I am a member of this group or this role at this organization. The reality, there, though, is it is just a claim. You're claiming that that's the case, but it's up to the other side to decide if it trusts that claim, mm-hmm. right? Does that make, and, and it makes sense because ultimately, when the people build this circle of trust, they're basically building a contract to say, "I agree that you are who you say you are," and with that, this is the kind of things I believe that you can provide to us as as part of the identity. And there's a really good uh, video that was done by a friend of mine, Dick Hart, uh, several years ago. On the whole mm-hmm. concept of identity and the whole concept of understanding how much you wish to trust somebody, right? And it goes into that conversation about when you walk into a store to buy liquor in another country, they can decide if what kind of identity that they're willing to accept as you're old enough to buy the liquor, right? It could mm-hmm. be it might be your driver's license, but if you're in California, are they going to trust your BC driver's license where, where we're located? Well, that's really a choice up to them. They can decide. It's probably not going to be a strong as an identity proof proof as your passport, which they probably can trust more because they may or may not have seen that. Much easier to forge a BC license than it is than a Canadian passport. Um, And the whole aspect of how the claims work throughout the end of the day is that there'll be some sort of mapping to say, maybe you call it username over here, but over in this other system, it's called user. And if we can transform those claims into something we can understand, we can Mm -hmm. agree to a way of communicating on what we're going to have to. So maybe it's, this is your username, and this is your password, and here is your email. And that bit of information is going to be the information that we're going to exchange. But in many cases, you don't even need to do that. There'll be some sort of separate authentication system somewhere else. All you're doing is having the trust on what's being delivered to you. So the, in this case, a security token or a SAML assertion. And ultimately, that gives you the ability to have cross-security domains to be able to say, I don't care about the authentication part. I just want to know that the people that are verifying your claims Are a place that I believe in or I trust in. And that's how that works.
1: It seems like it's safe to say that this info card or card space concept, while it may not have taken off and flown and and really, really found its wings in terms of how it was packaged, that all of the underlying concepts are still there.
2: Yes, yes, very much so. And it's funny because the whole aspect of claims is very. very well built into the underpinnings of everything that Microsoft is doing. So we see it with things like ADFS, but that's just the start. We're seeing the software that's being built on top of the Microsoft stack being able to take advantage of those claims. So now all of a sudden we get into very interesting scenarios, like the fact that maybe we can't deal with this. So, So when we look at cloud services, let's just take a look at the aspect of hosted exchange. There's tons of hosted exchange providers out there. When you're a small business and you're going to host 10 boxes up in there, that's not hard to go and and map up. Say I have 10 users in the system here at the office. I want to go and map up 10 users up on, on whatever cloud service I'm going to use to provide hosted exchange. But it starts to get impractical to do that when you start talking about a whole bunch of users. And then, more importantly, it's trying to keep everything synchronized. In the old days of Microsoft BPOS, they used to try doing this thing with DirSync, and it was—it was it a—it's was really a headache. I know it was their solution on let's synchronize AD here up in the cloud. It's a one-way thing. We'll do it once in a blue moon, and hopefully, we'll keep everything going. But the whole aspect now is they can say, well, instead, let's go the other way. Let's provide a level of federation here. Let's have it say when your account's logging in, if you've got federation set up, we will route that back to your infrastructure to prove your identity, to actually log into the local domain. Now, all of a sudden, management of passwords, of users, and everything stays in the realm of security of where it was expected to be in the organization. And then what happens is is that... Uh, office 365 as an example can trust that and then ultimately in the end that means you're not having to manage multiple stores of information you're not having to manage multiple accounts and password silos and ultimately allows you to do more interesting things like use stronger authentication realms and, and, and components that are local to your own organization and still maintain a level of trust in the cloud and then we see that windows azure has that built in the underpinnings claims awareness mm-hmm. is built inside of everything in there the problem just like card space is It will only get adapted and used if it becomes something that is easy to understand and utilize by developers. You know, it didn't matter that CardSpace was so powerful. If developers don't use it, it's not something that will be validated and approved and and put into the world and ultimately means it's going to die.
0: And I think we had this problem with the WS star specs in general is that they were just so difficult to implement that people didn't. They found other ways. And I want to jump back. You mentioned Dick Hart sort of off the cuff here because it's funny. I just got an email from Skip. So Dick Hart, and if you've never seen his OzCon 2005 presentation, it's one of the best presentations you'll ever see. It's only about yeah, 25 minutes. It's a Lawrence Lessing style presentation. It's epically good.
2: Yeah, I think I think I can't remember you should put a link in the show notes for it because it's it's really that good to watch and I I can't remember now was it like identity2.0.com or something Yeah, that's like that. what he
0: called I, it and it very much mm-hmm. spoke to I think the, the things that skip SXIP, which is a product going away. Uh, as well you know not just card space going away skips going away as well but they both seem to do the same thing this concept of here are the attributes of my identity that i'm willing to share with you yep and that's what dick was talking about it's what both these products do and i don't see that i i get the claim space is working and it's saml's fine and so forth but this concept of users having a set of characteristics of their identity that they don't have to keep re-entering every time they visit another site or involve themselves in another app still doesn't have an, an answer.
2: Yeah, well and that's the thing. This this problem hasn't been solved yet. But I think it was it was summed up on a blog post. I can't remember who wrote it, but when when Microsoft announced that CardSpace 2 wasn't going to be released, Someone had written and said the main core reason was it, di- it wasn't a pain point strong enough. It wasn't solving one of the, most, the five most important things that needed to be dealt with in identity mm-hmm. at this time. And mm-hmm. so, you know, business decisions will always realm over anything else. And ultimately, that just meant that there wasn't a big enough pain that was being solved by it. But what's funny is it's not that the pain doesn't exist. This whole aspect of, you know, the the identity selection was kind of interesting because it said, look, when you go to these type of locations that are maybe of higher trust, you're going to trust or provide a level of your identity that's over here where when you go and visit some bulletin board for for Xbox or something you'll probably have a different identity you know or you'll provide a, something different so you can have it, which I guess in some cases can be really bad, but you could, you could have you know multiple identities multiple personalities so to speak on the internet, which you may or may not want to have. And so this gave you the ability to select that. It didn't matter. It skip. It was the ability to, you know, really cool plugin that would allow you to pre-fill in all of the forms as you would register and log in. Then you wouldn't have to worry about the whole aspect of password management right. because you wouldn't have to remember it, right? Everything gets filled in, and you can decide, what information do I wish to share with that organization? So if they had it's a Yahoo form to fill in to set up a new account or you're hooking into a Google Reader or, you know, they had the ability to have these templates to pre-fill it in. Um, and they had, I think, something like over a hundred thousand users in the system at one yeah. time. That you know, like it was, mm-hmm. it was, it wasn't just a couple of people using it. There was a lot of people using it. But those servers that manage and run all that have to be paid by somebody. And yeah. ultimately, you know, Dick had moved on from Skip, and so in the end, Skipper, which was the the product that they basically, you know, put the rest for now, um, that's just going by the wayside. Now, you know, what's funny is I think someone might pick it up. You know. Dick comes from a really strong world of open source, and, and you know he just doesn't do things for, for fun. There's got to be a good business reason, and yes. he's got to see that there's value. But if that comes and the right people step up, I don't think he wouldn't look at that, right? There just has to be a good value. Well, right now, there's not a business value to do it.
0: Yeah, that was his announcement, was basically, I'm willing to put this thing out in open source, but only if there's a committed group of people around it. I do not want to abandon it to open yeah.
2: source. Well, so many open source projects are like that, right? Like, you know, just, it's, I, I come from a world where I've obviously done a lot of work both in open source and in the closed source world. And one of the things that I know from my own personal experience is that just because something's open source doesn't mean it can live and breathe and survive. It's got to have the support. It's got to have the traction. Or it dies by the wayside yeah. or it gets forked off into 50 different projects, which makes it even worse. So in the end, you gotta have committed people with some business reason to do it to, to make that viable. And if, if and when that comes about, then great. You know, that'll, that'll be very interesting.
0: What's interesting about this is Dick left Skip to go to Microsoft. And I always thought that, that Skipper would end up at Microsoft as well. And now both Skipper and CardSpace are dying and Dick subsequently left Microsoft more than a year ago. It looks like this whole thing is really kind of imploded.
2: Yeah, you know, I I don't know the internal politics of what's going on over there, but you know, part of the problem I think is that there sometimes when you have an overreaching idea that that really makes a lot of sense technically doesn't mean that it's going to fit from a user's perspective, right? Jeffrey Moore crossing the chasm is the best way to explain it. At I end agree. Of the day. If, you, if you've ever book. read that book and you look at that, there will be early adopters that are really going to jump on there. I was one of them because I saw what the potential could be. But ultimately, you need to get that mainstream adoption. And that's not going to happen unless this technology under the hood is kind of removed so that the users can just use it. It doesn't matter. It's just part of how they are. But passwords aren't going to go away. The whole aspect of filling in forms and doing things isn't going to go away. And a lot of these systems, unless they're willing to adopt this type of things, like card space in the selector and having forms that can easily be filled into by whatever your favorite uh, form-filling tool is, in the end, it needs developers to apply it. So which is what really funny because when I look at things like SharePoint twenty ten and I see that they've built in claims right from the get go. Yep. You have the option. It's built in there. Microsoft made a huge decision there. Mm-hmm. No, we're not going to put in claims. Vittorio, who runs a lot of that stuff, and in many cases, he wrote the book on information cards. Sure. You'll find that none of that was in the training kits. None of that stuff was part of the Fabric samples because it was, mm-hmm. they couldn't make that fit for a lot of developers who wanted to learn about the claims side of it right we came, they would be this you know cuz you could have claims and have that all work with information cards and but they're like no that doesn't fit in that model and what we have to train our developers and how to use our tools and do everything and i think that was one of the things that put a nail in the coffin is that if you're not if you're not giving these developers the opportunity to 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 work to it and write to it and it's something easy for them to use and easy to apply then it's not going to get used in the real world and if it doesn't then it's never going to hit the mainstream and um, it's just one of those things. Kim Cameron, who great guy, wrote the uh, laws of identity at Microsoft. Yep. It, was, it was funny. If you go look at his blog, years ago, he had put information cards in as the way to log in to uh, sign comments, right? And the purpose there yeah. was quite clear. It was, hey, let me show you a way to use it. But if you go now, you'll notice that he's got pretty much every other kind of identity selector and ability in there, right? For everything from an open ID cred to a live ID cred to you know all these other ways of doing it. Um, and that was because it's the aspect of claims that are really making sense across everything on there. How you decide on your identity, how you do that doesn't matter. Well, it's not that it doesn't matter, but it's, that it's a problem that's not as uh, firm out as the rest of them. So ultimately, it's not going to get the same attention.
0: Well, and I'm certainly seeing folks frustrated with OpenID as well. Yeah. We did a show on Don Rocks not long ago with Rob Connor, who was saying, look, I'm pulling OpenID out of my website. It is just not worth the pain.
2: Well, part of the problem that goes with that is there's two sides of this that that I I think have been a problem. And I blogged about this years ago is I love the concept of OpenID. And actually, it's funny because people like Dick were were instrumental in trying to design where that spec was going. But Mm -hmm. at the end, OpenID had the same failing as Cardspace did in that you have to get the adoption, not in the use of it from one side. It's about the consuming of it on the other. Right. Everybody was willing to be an identity provider. Google and Microsoft with Live and every other player mm-hmm. in the world had an ability. Yahoo has it. Yep. And, you know, mm-hmm. so everyone has the ability that you can have an open ID provider over here. But rarely would it go the other way and say, I'm willing to consume an open ID from somewhere else. Right. Right. And it's now was the, the problem because everyone wants the ownership of. The identity. The identity. And, I, and that's probably not the right wording because as the ownership, can, you can argue who owns it. But it's the aspect of, I own the, 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 the silo of information of who is this person. I am a Google user. I am a Yahoo user, right? right? right. And so it made it difficult to work across these systems because really you want one identity that works across all these different locations that they all can believe and trust, the circle of trust that makes sense. But inherently, these companies just don't trust each other. Microsoft and Google will never be at the same table in a level of trust when they're trying to compete for the same audience. It's just, no, it won't happen. Um, and the reality is is that they both should be able to consume and be the provider. Yes. Just, really, there's no reason why they can't. Um, and what's funny is we do see that they've found a way to handle that behind the scenes, not on your standard Gmail account and not on your Hotmail account. But if you actually mm-hmm. look at Google for Business and you take a look at Office 365, both mm-hmm. of them support SAML. Both of them support yeah. federation yep. and this whole aspect yep. of providing identity claims across different ways. So, so that's where they see that. But what's interesting is that's a B2B transaction. Yep. That's not going to be consumer that's accessing his Gmail or Hotmail account, at least not today. They're just, it, it, they haven't found a way to really make that work in the user space. Well, and that's where card seems, space could have worked.
0: The user space seems to be winning out with Facebook and Twitter.
2: Well, that's another thing. Like you look at OAuth and all these other aspects. Yes. You have Twitter and Facebook. But here's the thing: this is the one thing that drives me nuts. Facebook is the identity, uh, basically the identity provider for so many places now because yeah. it's just it's one out. You you know, there's way more logins and access points in, in, that are being done in Facebook than in many yeah. other sites in there. But it ticks me off that I can't go the other way. I can't provide my identity selector from somewhere else or provide my, my claims from uh, my li- Maybe I want to log into Facebook with my live ID. Yeah, you can't do that. You can't do that. But what? And they won't open that up because I've asked about that. I said, you know what, how about just having a SAML assertion? Because if you can do it that way, or you know how yep. you can consume in Facebook all of your um, Twitter feeds by yep. using the OAuth right? That, that's workable, right? Dropbox, awesome little application that can consume all those things by using OAuth to say, log me into Facebook, pull my user's account, blah, 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 blah. But I want it yep. to go the other way. Yeah. And unfortunately, those guys aren't going to do that. There's a defense point. Now, part of them will say, well, it's because of privacy, but we can all talk about the whole aspect of security of Facebook and how it relates to, you know, the world. And the, the reality is, is that you may or may not have that level of trust. You know, it's like I, when Facebook came out with the whole aspect of doing SSL, I was like, yes, this is finally about time. And then it was, mm-hmm. oh, but then if you run any applications inside of Facebook, you have to turn off SSL. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, what the heck is that about? You know, how many people yeah. do their farm bill or do their, you know, bejeweled or whatever, and they immediately turn off the security that they inherently built in to be able to support this whole aspect of transport security that is related in for a lot of this stuff.
0: Well, the main thing I saw with the SSL implementation in Facebook was at least to protect the login over open wireless.
2: Yep.
0: That, but only it, that if you much. enable it. Only. It's not on by
2: default. Yes. And it's one you of those things that as soon on. as you run an application, it turns it off. So what do you do? You become the man in the middle. You proxy it in an open connection. Use something like a Yaziger access point. Become the man in the middle. Force the SSL strip. Strip it right out of there. Get them to log on, and then the game's over. You'll yeah. still get it anyways. So it's yeah. not a perfect solution from a hacker's perspective anyways. But it's not anything that can be solved tomorrow anyways. It's one of those, it's a bigger, bigger issue um, that, that ain't going to be solved tomorrow. But in
0: the context of user adoption... Facebook appears to be winning. The consumer is willing to log in with their Facebook account into your website.
1: Yep. Facebook's winning because Facebook is a service that people want to use. The identity and claims and the you know all the identity and authentication-related stuff with Facebook is successful because Facebook is something that people want to use.
2: Yeah, but that becomes the biggest attack vector because how many people, if you were to put a fake Facebook log on into an interesting site, I would bet you, like dancing, clicking on dancing pigs, more people mm-hmm. would be able to be have their accounts compromised and hijacked because that's becoming the norm. We're allowing uneducated yeah. users who just have come to trust the Facebook icon to allow that to be the thing that may, maintains their identity online, and that is scary.
1: So there's a difference though between single sign-on and federated identity, right? I mean, it's it. we're not talking about the same thing. Can you explain the difference between just what single sign-on is versus what federated identity means?
2: Well, at the end of the day, the whole aspect of single sign-on is supposed to be one password, and you're in. You're into everything as part of that circle of trust. And the problem with that scenario is that in many cases, you're connecting to distributed systems that don't have trust with each other, don't believe in everything that's tied together. And so ultimately, Mm -hmm. you're going to have passwords in multiple places. Um, with Federation and the whole aspect of what the you, ha- you can do single sign-on with Federation. It is possible, depending yeah. on the, how you build it out, that, that you can provide that mechanism. But the same can't be said the other way. A single sign-on solution may be something that provides... Well, here's an example. Inside of AD itself, in a domain environment, the ability to be able to log into multiple systems and access all these different resources... Uh, different files and different, once you create your security, get your Kerberos ticket and everything on there, it's giving you a mechanism to, you're logged in. So you can get in to access everything else within that realm. It breaks as Mm -hmm. soon as you go outside of AD. Right? So what ends up happening is, is if you take your laptop home out of the office, it's gonna prompt you for creds. It has no choice because it has no way to anymore to trust the, the, the ticket to give you the mechanism to be able to have that single sign-on experience. Now, things like direct access is making it a little easier internally inside that org, giving you some flexibility so that you can, even when you're out at a coffee shop, you can still access your internal resources without needing a password. However, mm-hmm. when you go across systems, that's not going to be trusted. That's not When you cross those security domains, or it could be in, within its own forest. In the end, they're, 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 the difference in the aspect with federation is that it does two things. One is it provides an ability to, you can get an assertion, or a SAML assertion, or some sort of security token that says, I trust you in that. But not everybody within a federation circle will trust each other. So it may be when I go to sign in, so let's use that scenario I was talking about earlier, Google for business has the ability to have SAML assertions. You can have SAML to offer you to log in. So if I have ADFS here at the office and I expose that, I can log in using my domain credentials to log into Google Apps. Great. Right. Now I want to go and log into to um, a BPOS to get my mail. Well, that's not going to work. If mm-hmm. they don't trust each other and trust that ticket that's going to be assigned by, in this case, ADFS v2. So what ends up happening is, is that we get this disconnected and a disappropriated way of, of looking at who who believes or trusts in each other, where, when, and why. And with single sign-on, you need everyone to trust the source, whatever that source will be of the initial ticket or claim or, or however you want to document it and talk about it. But in the end, that's where the difference really comes. But great federated identity designed properly would give you a, a, a lot of access to a lot of places, but it has to have somebody else that speaks federated identity as well, it speaks SAML, and there's multiple versions of it, so there's lots of different ways of handling it, and um, that means that it may or may not work across. And it works across trust boundaries, too. We have the issue that if you log in via a browser to something using uh, federation, that may or may not be able to cross into your applications on your desktop or to the line of business apps that you have or, or whatnot. There, there's trust boundaries across these that prevent that type of thing. So single sign-on, though, can give you that. You can very easily, um, inside of an AD infrastructure, as an example, um, an ASP.NET app can properly take that information that's uh, your, your current user's um, creds from the, the, the on IE and pass that along inside the org to allow you to get access to an ASP.NET application uh, with your Windows creds, right? using this, uh, Windows security. But it doesn't say the same thing once you leave that domain.
1: So has the primary failure really been one of usability? Is that what it's come yeah. down to, at least on the client side?
2: Yeah. Well, and the thing is, is that there's not a lot of places yet. Like, I, I was really happy when I saw uh, Windows Server 8 R2 come out because it was finally a place you don't pay anything extra for for federation. Windows has that built in now. Now a problem, Ooh. and 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 this is something I've complained to them about, at Microsoft about several times, is that their belief is it's AD or the highway. So they get into this problem of, what if I want to use some other way of authenticating? Well, that's when you have to chain off to another STS, a security token service that can auth it in a different way. But maybe I just don't want to deal with AD, right? Maybe I want to deal with my own membership provider in a line of business app to give me my prove who I am. And that's not always possible. Um, and so that becomes this weird uh disconnection with ADFS is that you have at least currently right now you're having to deal deal with the serv- uh, security providers built in the windows to handle that um but there are tons of other um SDSs out there third party ones that will give mm-hmm. you the ability of doing it across you know unix environments and 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 uh novell sure. environments and you know all those other type of systems that are
1: that are out there. Yeah there's a number, number of companies that have certainly staked their their claim and have actually done pretty well and are continue to do pretty well yep. in this federated identity space.
2: In the enterprise. And that's the critical part. What changed with R2 was that that is available to everybody. And so a small business, so let me give you an example, is you can now see Microsoft just RTM, Small Business Server Essentials. Here's a product designed mm-hmm. for the, you know, the 1 to 25 user org. Right? Design specifically, it, it's not like small business server where it has Exchange and SharePoint. They're actually leveraging their cloud services to be able to deliver a full solution stack on, on, on really good little microservice from HP or whatever you want to use out there. It's interesting because it's allowing businesses of any size to have that Active Directory infrastructure. And what's cool is, behind the scenes, under the hood, is Active Directory Federation Service. So in the end, they will be able to plug in, uh, things like Office 365 into that platform. So you will have ex- hosted Exchange and hosted SharePoint. Microsoft's cloud strategy with their on-prem AD. With the ability of managing and handling that. Now, their current version of the product, I, you know, it's it's missing a lot of that kind of stuff to make it work. So it's going to be stuff that'll have to be added in later. But they've built a really cool add-in infrastructure, so a company like ourselves could actually build that kind of infrastructure and make that available. So now the small business, the the small accounting shop, or the law firm with ten users, can have the same enterprise class federation and have that security they need in the cloud. That eliminates the biggest pain when it comes to cloud services, which is how do you try trust it, and put Mm -hmm. it back so that the trust and control can be with the identities being managed on-prem.
0: Now, I've been watching the Higgins Project for a while now, which is this open-source identity framework. Yep. And I know from a card space perspective, Microsoft was supporting Higgins. I just wonder how Microsoft's going to fall now that card space has gone away.
2: So the interesting thing is behind the scenes of everything when we talk about claims, Mm -hmm. when we talk about this whole thing, is it all comes down to SAML. And that is an industry standard that has nothing to do, wasn't driven by Microsoft, right. but Microsoft supports yep. it. Yeah. So in mm-hmm. the end, that's the kind of inter-process communication that's going to really make a big difference. And interestingly enough, um, as a recent WCF convert, I'm going to say recent because I was still old school, all the way web service type guy.
0: As a MexMe baby. Mm-hmm.
2: I was Azimax all the way. It wasn't, until, it wasn't until a recent project where we decided we would do WCF the whole way right. that I opened my eyes and go, oh, man, I've been an idiot. You've been doing it the hard way. <laughs> I've been doing it the hard way. And when you see simple things like protection level dot encrypt and sign, and boom, that automatically takes care of your message off under the hood. Yeah. You're looking and saying, boy, was I stupid. <laughs> and then you look and say, guess what's built in the WCF now? The whole claims awareness model is right. all in there. So now all of a sudden, doesn't matter if it's a little app or it's an enterprise, class cross-system, it will have the ability to take advantage of this. And this becomes the value. So now all of a sudden you may have web services or cloud-based applications or you have software service, whatever you want to call it. It doesn't matter if it's about cloud computing by method or if it's cloud computing by application or if it's entire VMs in there. You will have the ability ultimately to provide this identity that can be controlled, how it makes sense for that organization, and if the developers buy into that and I things like WCF then at least because with especially with Visual Studio 2010 um, if they buy into using that effectively, there is some real value in getting this in there easily quickly without having a lot of security expertise to do it right now i'm not saying it's completely you know foolproof um, as anyone who's ever had to deal with certificates in wCF it can be a headache but um, Ultimately, the plumbing's there. So now I think it'll be a, one of those things for Microsoft's sponsorship side of dealing with anything is making sure they make those tools super easy and make sure that when other systems are intercommunicating, that it meets those standards. Last thing we want is is for any kind of breach of that, breaking the standards to build their own. Because I know they tried WS-Star forever to be yeah. the way of handling it. Yeah. Then they realized, mm-hmm. we will still do WS-Star in, in, internal to all of our systems and how you work when building you know, .NET apps, but we also know we have the ability to support the other stuff, and that is valuable, and I think that was the right decision on their part because it allows the systems, regardless of who they're from, to be able to communicate in a secure manner about identity in a way that makes sense.
0: I guess the question is, is there going to be a replacement to to card uh, space?
2: I don't know an answer to that. Yeah. I think it would all depend on, can they find, well, so actually you prove as an example of what, I don't want to say it's a complete um, replacement, but it's done a lot of what the selector was all about. Yeah. Right? And and so, so, so some stuff like that is is succeeding and they're putting more resources into that to see what they can do there. I think what would be interesting to see is if they start turning away the aspect of it's a passive versus active state inside of a browser versus a a thick client and start thinking about when I go to log in somewhere, prove my identity. And from that point on, as long as it's me and I can prove that, allow me to to do what I need to do. Now we get away from anonymous identity on the internet, which some people may or may not like, but it gets us to a world where I think it's more valuable. Let me give you an example. If I was hired by Microsoft tomorrow, and I have no interest in doing that, so anyone, please don't email me from a guy from Microsoft again, but ultimately, here's the thing. Imagine if in Windows 8, that they took the aspect of the credential provider framework, wired it in to be claims aware, found a way to secure that so that the claims inside would have the ability to mm-hmm. cross into the, the trust boundaries of things like IE, which mm-hmm. is extremely hard, because obviously IE has mm-hmm. been isolated up for a reason. Yeah. But imagine if you could do that. So when you sit down at your desktop, And you're in your domain environment, and you get a SAML assertion sitting behind there. There's this token that says, you know what? You are Dana Epp, and you are uh, in this AD infrastructure on SPS 2011, and you are who you say you are. And now there's a trust relationship through Federation with my cloud service, whatever it is, SQL Azure, which is one of our data stores, and I don't have to worry about trying to plug anything in because it says, you are Dana, and you're authorized to do this, and behind the scenes, the plumbing all works. Right. It's there now. infrastructure, the technical things are there. There are some security boundary issues that need to be addressed inside of the operating system where, you know, Microsoft's extremely good at and things like Windows, 8 could do that. Now, that would be an exciting project to work on, to find a way to make that work securely. And if they did that, no matter if it is domain joined or if it's standalone, as long as they have some way of providing what is your level of proof. Maybe it's a live ID. Yeah. Maybe, it's, it's, maybe it's a Google identity. Whatever it could be, as long as there's some way of saying, this is your, um, your security token, this is what it is, and now these places trust this token, and they trust that, that STS, so ultimately we have the level of trust we need. We can do what we need to do. And then guess what happens? Immediately, all the whole aspects of passwords and everything else go away, which is the bane of the existence, and it's not going to go away tomorrow. Passwords are going to be there for a very long time. So the best thing we can do is find ways so that that doesn't matter. And it's a weak form of authentication. It doesn't actually prove you are who you say you are. It simply just proves that Mm -hmm. someone who knows your password was able to log on.
0: Well, and it's still going to be the two key pieces of can we create an interface that consumers like and we can we create an API that developers will use? Yep. Dana, I think we're about out of time.
2: Well, there you go.
0: You fly by. Great conversation. As usual. This makes up for those two crappy card space shows you did earlier.
3: Oh, you know, I,
0: I
2: hope, I hope, you know, years from now, because someday they will happen. There will be a way. The pain hasn't gone away. So when it becomes a big enough pain, or more importantly, they found a way that the pain can be stepped around in a way that the user doesn't even realize they're doing it. Yeah things will change because one, mm-hmm. one of the biggest problems with the pain of card space was it wasn't mobile same with skipper at the end of the day yes. it wasn't mobile it was right. tied to that desktop it wasn't easy to extract yeah. it yeah there was some things about how you could do smart cards and move some stuff but it just wasn't an ability if you're trying to access and you're something from your you know your windows phone 7 or you're trying to access it from your xbox or you're trying to access it from mm-hmm. your ipad whatever it may be that things like card collectors weren't easily movable. It no. wasn't transfer, and so your identity is kind of locked, and you're shackled to your desk. And that's not that was never right. a good way of handling it. Um, if they can get across that kind of pain and figure out other ways of handling it, I think we're there. And that's actually yeah. some of the research we're doing here at Scorpion Software. Is this whole aspect of let's get rid of the whole aspect and pain of passwords? Are there ways that we can provide identity differently? Right, which is why we've got things like. you know, apps built into Windows Phone 7 to generate passwords. And do we have the ability of, we, you know, we've, we've even got a system now like uh, Ubi Keys able to automatically generate the one-time passwords so you don't have to type them in, you just press a button. You know, it's this whole world of passwords of, of, of passwords got to go away into something different. And if we can find a way of doing that, then uh, ultimately that will work for everybody. I, I think it will be very successful for everybody.
1: Near-field communications.
0: Yeah, that's an interesting point, Greg. It'll be, that'll be an, an interesting challenge to address all that with. Something,
1: something I have that can also address the something I know that can also validate who I am. Yep. It's easy and portable yep. and can work. There's got to be some way to do this. We just haven't gotten there yet. Well, but, you know, one thing's for sure. It, it is it, people like co- companies like Microsoft and others that have built these things and have put a lot of time and money into it to try to find ways to make it work. You know, unless companies are doing that, we never get to the next stage. So, you know, you got to have the companies that are going to stick their necks out and they're going to try this stuff, and it may fall apart and it may not work perfectly, but there's a lot of good stuff that's come out of it. So I think we do need to give some credit where credit's
0: due. And near field will not work unless we solve this problem. It's it's, it's one of the key inhibitors there. Yeah. All right, guys, we could go all day, I think. I think we better wrap it up. (laughs) Let the listeners have the rest of their day back. Thank you, Dana.
1: Thanks a lot. No worries. Thanks for the
0: invite. And we'll talk to you next week on Run As Radio.